I'm good. Oh my God. It's so uh great to, you know, see you. It's been four ages. <laughs> yeah. The last time I saw you in person was 2008. It had to have been. Yes, it had to have been. Yes, that was the last time that I saw you in college <laughs> at Grambling. That is crazy. <laughs> Man. Oh my gosh. Uh literally just got done arguing with some people about uh, you know stuff uh you know for work and <laughs> as I say, still keeping the world turning, you know. <laughs> I feel you. It's what it's uh it's what I do. How about you, man? It is so good to see you. Yeah. Uh I'm chilling. I was off today, so I've been just hanging out. I was went I was coming from getting a haircut. That's why I was running on a little bit late. Gotcha. Something I need to do before the Baptist Convention because I don't want to go before all the people with all of this looking like this. <laughs> <laughs> I had went uh, like three weeks without one, and my hair is so thick now. It was it was rough. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm on. I might be on week number two. The problem that I have is that where I live, I don't really like any of the barbers that I've experienced here in town. And so I generally wait until I go and visit my mother because nobody does your hair like, you know, your hometown barber, right? Right. Uh, once, you, once you find one that's good, <laughs> you can't leave. Exactly. So, you know, um, Reno has has cut my hair for the better of almost 25 years. And he is the person who has done it right every time. So when okay. I get the opportunity to go back home, I always get my hair cut there. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so can you hear me okay and everything is good? Yeah. Can you hear okay. me? Yeah, you're good. You're good. You okay. sound real, you sound real uh high quality with these high quality mics you got there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they are expensive though. <laughs> I, that, that I do understand. I do understand. I was telling uh I was talking to my, my mother this morning and I said, Ma. I'm going to be on the podcast later. <laughs> like, what is that? And I was like, see, now you sound like me. You supposed to know better. <laughs> you act like I ain't taught you nothing. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, you all are the first podcast that I ever subscribed to. Really? Uh, really. I had, you know, I had caught some episodes when people would share them, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, the Suburban Podcast was my first podcast I have ever, um, I had ever subscribed to, and while I wasn't there in, you know, at the beginning, beginning, but I've been rolling with y'all every week. <laughs> I bet you'd probably be like, who is listening from, from wherever they, you know, I'm liable to be anywhere listening because I'm always on the road when I'm listening to y'all. Yeah. So who the hell is in Iowa listening to us? <laughs> That's usually me. <laughs> 
always, yeah, I'll look through like the locations and I'll be like, I don't even know anybody. <laughs> that was me. Don't worry. That was me. I was driving. It was me through some obscure part of the country. <laughs> I knew uh, you were out here traveling for real when uh, that episode, me and Kim were both talking about our family's hometowns. You were like, I've been to both of those places. Barlow being Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how in the hell have you been to Port Gibson, Mississippi, and Barlow Bend, Alabama? Listen, let me tell you something. Uh, you know, uh, being uh, being a black Baptist preacher uh, will take you to some obscure places. <laughs> <laughs> so God only knows where I'll be and where, you know, and... and um, you know, when you when you're young and, uh, you know, people really like to support you. And so, you know, they try their best to bring you in and, you know, they may not be able to give you everything. But, you know, I've always been uh, supportive of, you know, I've always tried to help out when I can. So when people yeah. need me, I try to make myself available, uh, you know, even if, you know, uh, uh, I don't want to say the pay because, you know, we don't really get paid for doing what we're doing. But even when they can't necessarily accommodate you as appropriately as you would like. But, yeah, man, uh, I've, I've been some of everywhere, um, <laughs> especially when I live when I did live in the South. Like, you know, I would go anywhere, uh, you know, so uh, it, it, it's good times. You learn a lot. You experience a lot. You meet a lot of great people. And, uh, you know, you really. uh you really learn how this world works by moving around. And so I'm really thankful for, you know, the opportunities to be able to move around that all of my jobs, as I say, <laughs> have, have given me. Uh, you do chance. have a million jobs. Let's listen, listen. Uh, some, <laughs> uh, one time I went, I was at a church and it was like, man, you know, a guy came up. He said, man, I just got a question. Do you got a job? Because <laughs> she'll be everywhere, and I was like, "Yeah, actually, I do. I, I, I'm a nine to fiver. Like, believe it or not, uh, <laughs> I just got a lot of time on my hands. A lot That's of right. a lot of uh, leave that I use up, and I get real creative with making things happen. So, how long have you been a reverend? I have been a credentialed preacher. Uh, March made eighteen years. I was seventeen when I was uh, when I was licensed and credentialed to preach. I preached my first sermon March the sixth of two thousand four. So just before I graduated high school and come to college. Now, can you imagine coming to college as a preacher? That's no. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. Grambling, Lord God, <laughs> bro. <laughs> I can only imagine how crazy it was because I was just a sheltered church boy yeah. when I got to Graham. Yeah. And my eyes were wide open. Wide open, huh? It was crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's so funny because next week I'm going to be uh, teaching at the Baptist Convention in uh, the National Baptist Convention is meeting in Jackson, Mississippi next week. And the class that I'm going to be teaching is intended for students who are fresh, recent graduates from high school and transitioning to college. And so it's uh, it's going to be teaching them to kind of deal with what they can expect as they transition from, you know, living at home and being a sheltered church boy to, right. you know, now having this space and freedom and this exposure to 
whatever you'll be subject to be exposed to. And if you go into an HBCU, it's going to be a wonderful time. I'm going to tell you that it's going to be a great time. <laughs> but, you know, um, so I'm, I'm really excited about uh, about that. And, you know, when you asked me to be on this podcast, I really have been thinking about, you know, uh, you know, what was what was an 18 year old juice like at that time? And um, I've been thinking about those <laughs> kinds of things as I've been preparing for that class next week. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> um, Mel was my uh, RA at Gramlin. Yes. When I was a young freshman lad. Yes. <laughs> and. The 18 year old me thought Melvin was like 30 something years old, not realizing he was like two years older than me. Literally, I made 36, uh, two Friday, well, uh, Friday before last. So, uh, yeah, I'm belated, bro. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people thought I was much older than I was. And even now, you know, when people were like, You only 36, like, yeah. But you've done everything and you've been everywhere and you sound so old. And I'm like, mm, that's not really a compliment, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're an old soul, though. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, when you raise by when you raise by old people, that helps. Uh, right. And, you know, uh, you know, we didn't get a chance to grow up and listen to to the blues, as my great grandmother called it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yep, you know, you had you had Pat Woods and I had Emily Victoria Lott. Baby. Right. It wasn't going to happen. <laughs> well, none of that over here. <laughs> Not in my house. <laughs> my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve him. <laughs> what was an 18-year-old me like? Oh, my gosh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Do we really want to talk about that? No. Uh, yes. No. no, no, no I no. want to know the 100% <laughs> truth. You know what? I, I will say... Um, uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say Dennis, and this is this is as I've heard it said, no cap. Um, <laughs> you you probably were uh, you probably were one of the most intriguing students that I had ever worked with because really? you were so you were so well ahead and advanced and so smart. You just had all this knowledge. You know, you were a history major, which was very obscure. You know, black people. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. How, how many of us in our residence hall really knew what Juneteenth was anyway? You know, uh, and, right. And those types of and, and just about anything. And so it was always so uh, it was always so I was always kind of fascinated with the fact that I could legit have a conversation with this guy about something other than Lil Boosie. And I don't even know who Lil Boosie is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And so. I really, I honestly, I really took a liking to you, um, because because of that, you know, very obscure. Uh, the other thing was like I was very intrigued with you being a, uh, you know, just kind of like a hip hop and a music connoisseur. You know, um, that was really interesting, and I knew that you were not like everybody else. You were very unique uh, in yeah. that way. Um, and so that's that was really one of the reasons why I took a liking to you. And we had some other guys in the building who were very unique and, and everybody was kind of unique in their own way. And so, um, you know, in the years that I had run residence halls and managed them and the people in them uh, for Gramlin, um, that was something that was really uh, interesting to just come across and meet these people who were very unique. Uh, you were very kind of socially awkward. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. You you kind of still are. <laughs> oh yeah. Totally. <laughs> Listen to this podcast and you will definitely get uh socially awkward sometimes. Um, you know, you were like you said, you were a sheltered church boy who had literally come and got the culture shock of his life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Wild. yeah. I had I had always grown up like in majority white places. So uh-huh. to be around that many different types of black people <laughs> and for every of what <laughs> and everybody knew that I was weird. Mm-hmm. And I just had to like come to terms with what that meant. So I yeah. had a little rough little I started dabbling in some things I probably w- my mama wouldn't have liked. Yeah, you lucky I didn't call her. You know, I had a couple of times. I was this close to calling your mama. Oh my God. <laughs> I remember one day <laughs> I walked up in the dorm and you looked at me like you would have like beat me down. I was so disappointed. So disappointed. Like you just shook your head and I was like, what male? You like just Oh. <laughs> Hang it with letting these letting these hootlums influence you. Got us in here in this building for the full of niggas who don't know who don't know nothing about uh Bobby Seal or, or Angela Davis. Here, you remember we went to see Bobby Seal? Remember we went to uh yeah. hear him do a lecture at Grandma? And, and I tried to take some of them other Negroes with me, and they didn't they they didn't even know who Bobby Seal was or what he was about. And I'm just, you 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 disappointed. He uh signed he signed his book for me. Yeah, I still yeah, have it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 I remember that. Hey, what was that history professor's name? She was like the chair of the department. She didn't watch TV, but she read everything. I feel like her name was like Nikki something. Nikki Brown. Nikki Brown. Doctor Nikki Brown. Yeah. I loved her too, and yep. and I I I envisioned. I envisioned you being a her in about another twenty years. I oh yeah. You being. Being her, I'm, I'm gonna wind back up and end up becoming a professor like I was meant to be. Absolutely, <laughs> listen, and, and you're gonna do it at my college, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I think, I think I had two classes with Dr. Brown, mm-hmm. but yeah, she was, she Phenomenal. was socially awkward, Phenomenal. but she was amazing. She, was she could spit information and and regurgitate that information like nobody's business yeah and it would be spot on accurate and and it just amazed me that she didn't watch tv like <laughs> she also didn't listen to music like yeah. oh. I, I remember like when we used to take our blue book test mm-hmm. she would always play music but she was like this is the last album i bought and it was the carnival by wycliffe <laughs> which at that point think it was 10 years old that part <laughs> so it was part. like so you haven't listened to a new album <laughs> listen listen i feel I believe you dr though. brown i feel you because listen i probably I, listen i i only reason i'm buying albums is because i'm keeping up with jazz and Sullivan. you know that girl is singing uh <laughs> but you know once you find you an album you like baby just put it in and ride on with it <laughs> yep even me i've slowed down with like checking up on everything yeah like it's just now i'm just like i like what i like i listen yeah. probably the same five six albums all the time listen i i only have well first of all you know i hadn't gotten into the streaming world yet you know i'm you know i i like you know i like cds still but my car doesn't have cd player anymore because i had to upgrade in the pandemic but uh but uh my amazon 
uh, Prime Music thing, uh, it literally, I can access anything, but I literally listen to the same stuff. I'll drive from Springfield, where I live here in Illinois, all the way to New Orleans, and I'll listen to the same five <laughs> songs, uh, five uh, albums and artists. And that's my playlist for, for, you know, once you get into your groove, that's it. You don't need nobody else. <laughs> what's, your, what's your go-to driving album? Oh, gosh. My go-to driving album. Like I say, Jasmine Sullivan is my thing. I'll tell you what else is my go-to album. It's going to be weird, but I'm talking to you, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> the, the Color Purple soundtrack. The Broadway musical. The I haven't soundtrack. listened to it. That. Hamilton's musical soundtrack. I love Hamilton. Ham- and listen, Moulin Rouge is my newest. Uh, the the Broadway. I went to see the Broadway musical Moulin Rouge in Chicago uh, okay. when it was here. Well, I think it still is. But uh, I went to see it one time in Chicago, and I was so intrigued with the you know the soundtrack. Like, oh, this is dope. So I went in, uh, and 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 that it was it's available on Amazon Prime. So I listened to that. Um, shucks. Mm, yeah, uh, gospel is a Fred Hammond album. Uh, I think it's called Free to Worship. Uh, that's okay. that's one that's a go to. Uh, uh, Music Soul Child is my favorite artist, so I keep him and all of his albums in my in in rotation. You know, those are things. But to really be honest, on long road trips, I'm a podcaster. I like. I like just hearing people talk. That's that. And it keeps me from getting sleepy. Mm -hmm. And so like I can take like when I'm feeling like tired and I don't really want to stop and I want to get to a place at a certain (laughs) time, put on a podcast and like, it's fine. Um, So that's how I catch up with y'all. Like I usually listen, I usually binge listen to y'all like, you know, a couple weeks ago by, and then I got this long road trip. So I'll listen to all of them then. And that'll be that. But that's my thing. I think a lot of people actually listen to us that way, and it's also pretty cool that like, like every now and then you hit me up about a conversation like a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's me on the road catching up. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, it, you know, it's, it's so it's what is so also interesting about just subscribing to y'all's podcast that you know I have your number, so like I can text you and be like, okay, so let's talk about this because I'm really. Right. I got questions. <laughs> <laughs> like you get like exclusive behind the scenes knowledge too. Cause you'll yes. be like, but yes. you be like, you be connected dots. I do. And I then do. you ask me and then I'll be like, yeah, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I swear. I know all of your friends. I like, I, I have built a profile of all of your friends on in my head. Um, <laughs> like, Okay. Yep. I, I I feel like I know. I guess I feel like I know y'all. Like I went to Buckhorn. You know what I mean. I graduated. <laughs> I was. You know I was a part of the. You know ahead of y'all. You know a couple of years. But you know I, I graduated from Buckhorn. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Huntsville. <laughs> for me uh i'm i'm a podcaster um you know uh and i'm i'm getting i have some really obscure subscriptions too very interesting um what's the wildest podcast you listen to oh god besides us well you know there is that (laughs) um 
So uh, I wouldn't necessarily, you all are the wildest podcast that I listen to. Um, uh, I have this one that I listen to. It's called To Live and Die in L.A. And it's basically like this storyline told by, it's produced by the L.A. Times. And this reporter basically very suspensefully takes you through this investigation to uncover like a murder or a missing kid or, you know, somebody's missing. And so they go through these processes. So I really like, you know, to listen to those because they're very, they're very suspenseful Mm -hmm. uh, in that way. So to live and die in LA and uh, another one produced by the LA times was um, shucks. It's about this, a Frank Carson. um, um, He was a, a, an attorney who the who uh, federal prosecutors had tried to pin some <laughs> charges on, and he was an old, and he ended up dying, and like they literally had they had taken him through the ringer, and so uh, I would say that that those are pretty uh, obscure subscriptions that I have, or very pretty wild because you know it's uh, it's real suspenseful. Um, I listen to some, you know, social science and political science type uh, ones. Um, uh, there's this one called the MLK tapes. Oh God, really? it, bro, listen. Oh, it's so it's it's so good, and it's good because um, um, uh, the 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 guy who put it together. Basically, they are trying. They they are investigating the fact that they don't believe the James or Ray murdered MLK, and so they it's it's really good. It's like ten. I see your face lighting up because you are a history geek. Yeah, <laughs> and you I, believe that theory too. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I I don't. That's always such a confusing thing with me because I don't believe. I don't know what I believe as far as the MLK assassination. Yeah. Well, here's here's, here's the conclusion that I came to. <laughs> well, and, and this is not just from the MLK tapes. This is just from just watching and learning things over time. That J. Edgar Hoover was the biggest domestic terrorist America yeah. has ever had. He Absolutely, was the biggest thug. And if I had any type of authority, I would take his name. I would erase his name from every public building and structure, just like they're doing these Confederate flags. He is the equivalent of, of a Confederate, uh, a, conf- a Confederate general or yeah. a member of the federal, a Confederate army in my view. Um, and literally every time I've watched a movie where uh, he has been, uh, you, you just learn so many things about him in, uh, on HBO max. The Leonardo uh, DiCaprio plays him in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and learned a lot about him in that uh regard. And so yeah. Biggest that so so in that in, in I drew the conclusion that there is some I don't want to call it a conspiracy, but I will say that you know there's a lot of government cover up. You know, people didn't really do their job behind that. And I feel like James O'Ray was a patsy. Oh, definitely. Listen, I just don't. You listen to the MLK tapes, you will be certain that he was like James Earl Ray. Could not have, couldn't, did not have the intellectual capacity, yeah. to pull that type of thing off. Because everything, exactly what happened? Everything I've ever seen or, re- or read about it, he was more. 
I'm trying to think what's the politically best way to. They, well, we it's a lot of out. <laughs> it's a lot of outdated terms. We'll say yes that uh, yes. may yes. or may not have applied. Yes, to yes. Yes. his intellect. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't think I personally do not think I. He might have been on the spectrum. You know, that was a time that we didn't know anything right. about that. That's very or true. He, or he could have had a touch of retardation, as the old folks say. You know, he, he got right. touch slow. Um, you know, yeah. he he was he was definitely that. You know, and he just he was he was a guy who had literally just been in this whirlwind of bad circumstances. <laughs> And yeah. his, his 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 he was just oh I was about to say uh PWT but uh <laughs> <laughs> he was just this he was just he was just this guy who uh who who was just uh who who just was who was just at a gutter point in his life I'll say yeah. a gutter point in his life and they literally picked him and pinned that on him and just when you when you go through the MLK tapes and you hear like how they lay it out and what had happened and stuff like that absolutely absolutely can't you will you will leave there believing that it didn't happen he changed lawyers at the like he lawyered up yeah they changed at the last minute some guy out of Texas <laughs> just somewhere they got some guy out of Texas from somewhere to defend him after he had been working with these attorneys to mount this defense in this trial. And, 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 and from that uh, podcast, I'm still looking for, cause they say that it had that HBO aired a mock trial uh, that, you know, the government wouldn't give him a trial. So they yeah. were, they were, they, they had hired like a real judge they had hired, you know, random people to serve as a jury. They had gotten a prosecutor to present and literally on HBO, they had shown and filmed and broadcast this mock trial and the mock and the jury determined based on what was presented that James Earl Ray could not have done what they said he had done. Cuz I know he's not by, not without help. There's no way he could have pulled that off. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But because it's just the other thing about James Earl Ray, he didn't seem to be politically motivated. <laughs> had had no, had absolutely no motive. None. No, he was so he was so disenfranchised and disconnected. Yes. James Earl Ray could have been a, if if he was black, he'd have been living in some ghetto gutter somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> he, no political. No aspirations or motivations to to kill that man. He had no care about the plight of black people or no. the rise or their rise to power. <laughs> so, so like, how is it that you go from? He was like a pickpocketer. So like, he was a small town crook, a common criminal with a with a rap sheet as long as your arm. A very petty, what would be considered petty crimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you expect me to believe that he gets inside of a tub outside of a window and makes a shot like that with no training whatsoever. He just a country boy. Well, listen, you'll, you will discover from the tapes that James Earl Ray was nowhere near where they say he was. No, it doesn't make any sense. Like you could, 
they try to do the thing like with Lee Harvey Oswald, but Oswald was politically motivated and had reasons, even though some of their reasons don't line up too. But I, I do believe that Lee Harvey Oswald killed JFK. Now, now there is a, a podcast also, a podcast series on the killing of Robert Kennedy. It's called the that, RFK tapes. Too. That's, so same, that's people did, same people did MLK, did RFK. So yeah, those... Now, that one, the RFK assassination, I have doubts about also. Because mm-hmm. Sirhan, Sirhan does not... He doesn't match... I don't know. Right. It's... It don't make no sense to me. Listen, I like I tell the people who come to my seminary classes, I I tell people today, you have to you, at some point you're going to begin to deconstruct all of these things that they tell you. And when it's time to put these things back together, you're going to realize that some of these pieces never fit. No. And that's the that's the reality of uh, whether well, that's in anything whether it's religion, politics and all these other things. You know, you there are some, as you say, some very political motivations behind the stories that people feed you. And so you have to prepare yourself to, uh, especially as you grow as an adult, you have to prepare yourself for for facing the reality uh, and the truth. of. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and a lot of people can't deal with that. that you know, that's that's one. Of the re- I mean, you, you think about where we are today in America, like we uh, I didn't get a chance to watch the January 6th hearings. Uh, largely because I've been teaching and doing other things, but it's on my it's on my radar to go back and kind of look at that and to watch those things. You know, when you think about just where we are, like people still are talking about Trump election was stolen. What? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't watch all of the uh, the hearing. The one from I think there's one. If I'm not mistaken, today like, also. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a three part series or something. This is the situation. Yeah. They were really going to overthrow the government. Attempt to, absolutely. And then people are really trying to just be like, well, we should move on. No. Oh, listen. I watched. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, gosh. Oh, Dennis. Oh, Jesus. Why are you taking me down this road? Showtime. Got a show. Oh, geez. see, and I don't even be supposed to be watching TV like talking about. I'm supposed to be studying and reading about <laughs> Showtime has a show called The First Lady. Uh, uh-huh. That's the one where Viola Davis plays Michelle Obama. If you yeah. haven't watched it, that is good as well. I just finished watching that full series. But anyway, all of that was a backlash to the election of a black president. Exactly. These people can't believe that we done fooled around and let a Negro get into into our house right <laughs> and just have the nerve to be our president right um, that is and and honestly i, I do at some point during that show I, they talk about the 2008 campaign and um they they, sh- they take they take you through his presidency and and uh they take they take you through it through the eyes of the first ladies yeah gerald ford eleanor roosevelt and michelle obama Oh, the three first ladies that they highlight in this, and they talk about their husband's presidency, and it goes from the rise to the to the to the to the sunrise and the sunset of their presidency. Uh, anyway, I, I remember thinking to myself, "What would the world be like if Obama didn't get the nomination?" 
I, I think about that all the time. And, and that, and uh, as, especially as after the, you know, uh, after watching and going through that series, you know, and, 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 and looking at a lot of the things that they highlighted, you know, and how that kind of, you know, touched on and, and pulled at Michelle Obama, like, I see her in a totally different light now because of it. And I really hope that there's a lot of historical accuracy to it because I really don't, you know, I hadn't read her book or anything like that. And so I don't really have any insight into Michelle Obama. Like I probably should. Um, But you know, uh, let me get through a few of these other books that I'm reading and I'll get to that one. I do wonder what a world would be like without Obama. If, If we had just not had Obama, like, would, would would we would we still be you know would 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 white people still kind of be kind to us now you know what I mean like would we would we know would we know these very obscure and very covert or would we you know these very covert uh, racist tactics yeah you know um, you, you listen to politicians now and just some of the rhetoric that they. You know, like, are you serious? Like, really? <laughs> like, Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene today. Oh, my God. Listen. Who is... I've ever, <laughs> has ever been elected to Congress. But... <laughs> I might want to be Secretary of Education one day, so I'm going to let you have this. <laughs> today, she was like... Uh, she was complaining about how uh, the insurrectionists haven't been uh, like they're, you know, they're in jail and they haven't been able to uh, wash and they haven't been able to go outside and all these things. And she said, uh, we got we, everybody wanted justice for uh, George Floyd, but nobody wants justice for the people from January 6th. And I'm but like, George, what the- George Floyd never made it to jail. Exactly. He died. <laughs> he was killed in the street. What the fuck are you talking about? He was killed while handcuffed. <laughs> right. He didn't even go to trial. Like, they made it to jail. What? <laughs> but it's just the level of they're able to just say absurd Anything. things that mm-hmm. people, idiots put on Facebook. Absolutely. And these are our elected officials. I just don't, I don't get it. Bruh. Listen. And and listen. I'm even more concerned, you know, with with it's not just the first lady, but the show first lady, but other things that I've uh, watched. I'm even more concerned at how easy it is to disqualify and to discredit the legitimacy of a candidate because of something like something silly, you know, If I don't, if I am not, and 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 I I, I heard somebody, uh, well, a, a professor of mine said this. He says in the primaries, people run to and they 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 portray themselves to be at the extreme of their politics, yep. and then and they once they get move the, to the once center, they get they move more so you you get to see more so the the true. Uh, spectrum of where the 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 true place of where they fall on the political spectrum and and ideological spectrum and so um uh it's 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 so crazy that if i am a person like even with this whole abortion thing you know personally i would not encourage anybody to get an, an abortion but also too i acknowledge that one it's not my body 
not my body, not my choice. You know, right. and and I don't have a say in that at all. Dennis, I can't choose what you eat for dinner. That's your right. choice. Did, would I love for you to 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 have fish over steak? Sure, but I don't have that. And and so I see that I, I I apply the same level of mentality to that. And and people will literally see all of the good that I've done, all the great ideas, all of this experience, all of the accomplishments that I have, and they'll disqualify me from for for from being considered a serious and viable candidate because. I'm team mind my own damn business. Right. It's just, it's a weird place. It is very weird. Very weird. It's also weird because um, my freshman year is, it was fall 2007, spring 2008. Mm-hmm. So that was the rise of Obama yeah. when he was running. Because I remember yeah. I was in your office yeah. and we were watching Jeremiah Wright at the National Press Club. Yes, I remember that. And they tried to disqualify him for being affiliated. They were, yeah, just going to his church. Mm-hmm. And then they, they were they were really just trying to make it be like he's too black. Well, and, and that's what only, they were saying. Absolutely. They were saying that he was too black and they would they were they were. They were t- now, mind you, I grew up listening to Jeremiah Wright's preaching. I'm a preacher in and of myself. And so I um, I'm, I'm a preacher myself. And so I, I Jeremiah Wright is one of the, the preachers that I absolutely love to hear. I used to take his stuff because I was never home at the broadcast. And I would watch it. And I have I literally have a video cassette tape of a sermon that I recorded off a TV broadcast of Jeremiah Wright. And the way that they were just portraying him 30 years of teaching and preaching and to portray try to portray him as this as this this anti-white, anti-America, radical was beyond me. <laughs> right. And 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 like you say to use the affiliation the the affiliation with it. Now, you have to live in Chicago to understand how absurd it is to make a claim about Trinity and to be radical and anything else because Trinity is one of one of Chicago's most giving churches and uh is is it is like the it is it's it's to me it's kind of like the 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 epicenter or a hub of of community activism, community engagement. You don't find a church on the south side of Chicago more engaged and more in tune with the community than you do Trinity and Jeremiah Wright and all those people are so you know they're not only unapologetically black and unapologetically Christian, but they are also unapologetically American. Right. <laughs> And it's it, it's it's it was it was it was heartbreaking from 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 my perspective to see people portray Jeremiah Wright that way, but also to pin that and try to attach that to President Obama, you literally are destroying the lives of and the legacy of two men. For what? <laughs> because they could they did not want to see that man in office. Absolutely, because because you know things are the way that they are, as I say. I just, it was, 
It was also surreal going to an HBCU during that time. Oh gosh! And then coming back here and going yeah. to A and M. I was going to also- say you should have been at Grambling when he won. Oh God! Man, they had crazy. moved me to they had moved me to Drew that year, uh, and I was living out of the the managers the community building as a manager's apartment. I was managing the apartments and mm-hmm. one of the other buildings on the other side. The night that Obama won, would I tell you? It was like everybody had flooded the streets. It had literally become a full-fledged cultural cookout and barbecue and celebration. Like the ninjas had come out of their rooms <laughs> and from under their beds, and they was flooding the streets. And it was, it was, it was so, it was so powerful to watch. And I imagine that that happened other places too but oh yeah you know, I, I remember being at Gremlin and I remember that happening and I remember saying to myself I have never seen like you think homecoming was something and and, and the people was in the streets for homecoming and spring fest oh no Obama won baby <laughs> <laughs> I um I didn't stay on campus so I watched it with my family and we mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. but it was surreal because I, I was living this two different lives. I had my HBCU and my black family, mm-hmm. but I knew so many white people that I used to hang out with then, and they were pissed. Mm-hmm. And that's when everything started changing. And you know, you, you know what what has to be told too is that story of people, black people, who, as you say, were living these two identities, like you know. How do I how do I operate and function in a world? You know, I, I lived and worked in South Louisiana in and as I call it, Trump country uh, for 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 10 years after graduating. I moved to South Louisiana. Uh, the, the 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 I lived and worked in the congressional district of of Scalise, Representative Congressman Scalise. Yeah, uh, that was his district. Um, and. I lived in that area and like to listen to people who when they see the president on television and they say these things and blame the president for these kinds of things. You know what they're saying? Like, that's a story that's got to be told. And I would love I want some. Re- I'm not going to do it, but I want because, I, you know, I, my heart ain't going to be able to take it. I would, you know, I got to get it's- along with these people. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> but you know like it's 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 is really hard. like you like do you know how many days like i sit in a in a space and like listen to people like you know in other in, in for lack of a better terms uh, basically call him a nigga without saying it you know yep. what i mean in in in, in so many uncertain terms um right. like <laughs> Watch yourself now. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's you it's 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 oh god. I, I remember taking students to to I remember taking students to Washington, DC. I used to be um the advisor to the council of student body presidents um in uh Louisiana, and I remember taking care of students and and one girl I remember this was when this was this was in Trump's first year. She was 
she was talking, I guess, to Congressman Graves, or one of the uh, uh, one of the congressmen representing Louisiana. And she she leaned over to him and she said, you be sure to take care of my president. Mm. Yep. Mm. Little 18 year old girl, come here so I can hit you with this bottle. <laughs> Tony uh, Coates came out with uh, at the end of Trump's uh, term. He mm-hmm. came out with a thing where he said that uh, Trump was the first white president. Mm. And I was like, that is genius. Mm. Because for so long, whiteness didn't mean... I mean, whiteness meant something to people that were non-white. Of course. But now whiteness means something different to whites. Mm. Not even just about the segregation of black and white people, but like whiteness white culture is different now it absolutely is it absolutely is and it's all because they let one one half nigga in office half half he wasn't even a whole half (laughs) i told i told somebody that the other day i was like no it wasn't the other day it was a couple months ago i was like people never even talk about obama being half white Mm -mm. no because i told this to a white lady she was like he's he's half white like yeah, his, he was raised by white people. Well, I didn't know. They didn't know. That one drop. Listen, and that's the that's the thing. They they are indoctrinated with and, and ingrained to believe and understand that doctrine that if you got one drop of blood, the whole the whole stream is contaminated. You, right. You, you colored. If you got one drop of color, you just you just color. And <laughs> <laughs> that just that it it, it 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 makes no sense, but it is the reality of what it is, and it's just absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, speaking of blackness, oh god, we got that Negro holiday in a couple of days, Ooh. and white people are still trying to wrap their heads around what do you what what do uh, we what, do with Juneteenth? Right, <laughs> like Frederick Douglass had that poem where he said what. What to a slave on uh, July 4th? Yeah, what is July 4th to a slave? Yeah. What is Juneteenth to a white person? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I've just been encouraging white people. Y'all go ahead and sit this out. Just enjoy. Just enjoy the day off. We going to take care of celebrating. Okay? Right. We going to take care of it. Y'all want to come and sit quietly? That's cool. Y'all can look. But you know, the, the, the the thing that I'm that I'm that I'm really struggling with is you know we we made Juneteenth a holiday but do you know how many blacks know nothing about Juneteenth yeah and even now you know um you know I got like I told you I got a lot of jobs and uh, you <laughs> know one of my one of my jobs is to be an entrepreneur and to do some other things we have literally like we've turned Juneteenth like We've never, there's never been any sanctity to, to Juneteenth and to the celebrations of Juneteenth and what that means, you yeah. know? And so, you know, I, I mean, even before Juneteenth was a holiday, you know, like, you know, in some areas, particularly in Texas to the black people, this is a party weekend, you know, there's right. a lot, there's a lot of things going on because it's Juneteenth weekend that ain't got nothing to do with Juneteenth. Um, <laughs> but you know, and, and and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I don't have anything to say about it or not, but but what but what I'm finding to be very challenging is 
is that it's going to turn into now we now we know about Martin Luther King. Now, you know, people understand the day. Uh, yeah. they understand, and, and we, we study Martin Luther King because, you know, Martin Luther King, he was he was he was a good one that we he was palatable for us right. to teach in school. Especially um, compared to that Negro uh, Malcolm X. Uh, oh, or, or Marcus. Uh, hell, y'all should have. Yeah, no, no, no. Matter of fact, they should teach Marcus because they probably won't teach Marcus because they want to send us back anyway. <laughs> hey, I wish y'all they taught should Marcus listen Garvey. to him. He's smart. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know what? That that Garvey guy got some good ideas. That Garvey guy, he's got some good sense there. That's back not a bad Africa. idea. <laughs> I I um saw some people on uh social media uh that are from Texas that were saying that they should gatekeep Juneteenth from uh, like other black people. And I was wow. like that is an insane That is absolutely thing. the stupidest thing to do. Like you know, like come on now. Like Right. That's that's our culture. It is. It like, is. Like and then <laughs> And it and it is one it is it is a, a pivotal piece that contributes to our modern day culture and, right. and 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 to who we are as black people today. Like, you know, <laughs> we are what we right. are now, largely because of what is centered around Juneteenth. Uh, exactly. And it's oh, that's a ridiculous statement to make. <laughs> Sorry. I think People say things thinking that like these are just like fat things, like you know, like the hipster thing, and be like, "We were celebrating Juneteenth before Juneteenth was a holiday." It's like people don't understand that blackness for us is different Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in this country. Like Mm -hmm. our race and our culture are tied together. Mm -hmm. In yeah. a way that other people is not the same. Not so much so. You're right. Like when I first started doing ancestry stuff, it mm-hmm. was the when I took the DNA one, it was one to find relatives that didn't exist on the page. Okay. So I could uh, start connecting dots with my genealogy stuff. But the other part of it was at one point I wanted to know what parts of Africa my bloodline was from. Mm. And then when I got it, it was cool. But then I started realizing I don't have to look back to Africa to have my blackness because this is where my family's been for 300 years. So my tribe is Mm -hmm, mm African-American. And there's a beauty in that and reclaiming that and understanding that our existence changed the entire world. Listen, I'm gonna borrow the phrase from from the from a contemporary prophet named James Brown. I'm black <laughs> and I'm proud, even right. Uh, and 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 that is something that that's something that like I you know it, it to some it's a cliche, but when you think about like what does that really mean? You you literally just spoke to it. Like I don't have to I don't have to to go back to Africa and to to dig those roots up, like right. I, my roots in and heritage is here, and you know it is good to know, you know, the African ancestry. Now I've never done that, uh, and I and I've, I've thought about it a couple times, but you know I don't know why I haven't done it. Uh, but one of the things that I've been doing um, is I have been spending a lot of time 
just trying to understand the family I got. Like, right. you, you know how many aunties and uncles that you just ain't sat down and just heard their story? Yeah. Uh, and that's that's th- like for for Juneteenth, you know, that's been my my Juneteenth working resolution. Uh, I have an uncle who lives in town where I live, uh, who is paroling. And literally the last time I saw him was 10 years ago. Like he went, he was incarcerated for 10 years. And so like, you know, uh, I've been doing a lot of, you know, personal work with me and my therapist, we've been trying to get me right. Um, and so, uh, and, and, and in spending a lot of time in that, I've been on this journey to try to understand me by understanding the people around me. Right. And uh, I love, we, we, we go to church every Sunday uh, together. And uh, when I go home to visit uh, our hometown, you know, I, he comes along with me. And so, you know, he gets a chance to spend time with his brothers and stuff. And those car rides are like the best things because like I get, I learn like I learn so much. And, I, you know, it's just things that I just never knew. And I wish I had taken the time. Like I, I wish I had taken that time to do that with my great grandparents and with my grandparents who are all deceased. I have one grandmother. I have one set of grandparents alive today. That's it. And uh, I'm trying really hard to get into this understanding them uh and that's really been my my juneteenth project really uh for this year is, is is to resolve to to understand me better by understanding them you know there's so much right. about my mother that i don't know and that i have learned in these last six months that my uncle has paroled in town where i live uh so much about my father that i didn't know you know and my parents they grew up in the same neighborhood and around each other so when i talk to my uncle you know, he he literally shines a spotlight on different parts of the world. And that's just absolutely amazing to me. So that's been my Juneteenth project in the way that I've been celebrating it and hope to continue uh, to celebrate over time. But uh, like you say, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand my heritage, you know, right. and, 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 and piecing together these dots and these bits of, and pieces of things that I've come to know and experience over time. And I think that 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 is making me to be more conscious, is making me more family oriented, is making me more community focused, is making me more uh, Afrocentric and, and all of these other things. And, and so as I've done that, you know, uh, I even learn and, and come to understand better some of the principles of many of the African proverbs and just, just the ways that, um, that African culture uh, and 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 try to live my life in that respect, and not so much uh, try to embrace or to 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 gather as much whiteness, uh, but to really embrace my blackness. Damn near earned a doctorate and professional and be some of the most obscure places but let me tell you something at lunchtime the people know i'm black because i got greens and peas and beans (laughs) and they be like who cooking for you that's me like you know and and and, you know that that's just that's just an example of you know of, of, of me trying really hard to not let the spaces that i'm in intimidate me from being black like you know that's that's me (laughs) you know that that is when I was younger, 
I did not like to eat chicken in front of white people. Mm. But now, nigga me? Nigga me. <laughs> That's the title of the episode. I've been waiting nigga for me. that one Nigga me. Yes. <laughs> nigga me will go in the in the in the governor's break room and right. warm up some greens and hot water cornbread. Nigga me will. <laughs> Nigga me, no nigga me. Oh, fuck, <laughs> nigga me. I pull up, I pull up to the to the Capitol parking lot in my pocket spot, blasting trap music. Nigga me, will nigga me. <laughs> you gotta lean into the nigga me every That's now and then. Lean into your nigga me, yeah. <laughs> It's it's funny though how many times like people try to tuck in their blackness just yeah. to appease white people, and at the end of the day, it ain't gonna appease white people. You don't listen. I'm so, and I, I have a friend right now, KK. We went to college together too, and he and I always have this conversation. And he just be like, "Why do? Why do?" And he's black. Well, he's Caribbean. He's from the Domin- He's from Dominica, and we are together all of the time. Um, and we're always talking and, and, you know, he can't stand ghetto and ratchet people, you know, I don't know. That's just, they're too loud. They're too boisterous there. Why do they have to, why do they have to, why, why, why? And I'm like, dude, that's them. Let them people be them. Like let them live. (laughs) Some people really have a hard time understanding that some people just like to do certain shit. They do. And it's not for show. They do. They are just being themselves. That's exactly listen nigga me or go outside and just chill in the parking lot of the of the apartment complex with the rest of them niggas turn look turn your car radio on sit on your hood and just legit chill like ain't no like we ain't out here for nothing we ain't out here do like we just this just our common 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 gathering place if you will bro i was i was riding around earlier i've had my do-rag on all day the only reason I took my do-rag off is because it's a store out by my house that's mm-hmm. owned by these two older black people. I was not going to walk up in there with you my do-rag what? No, you wasn't. <laughs> that was a respect thing. It Absolutely. ain't to appease whiteness. It was to, to make sure that my aunt, my uncle and auntie ain't going to call me out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, like, like I get it. I get it. I do. And I, and I, t- like, and you know, me having mentored students and worked with them and you know, I mean, I'm taking students, you know, I've taken students everywhere to be with to be with everybody. And and I try my hardest, you know, get the black, you know, get the black man in, give him a chance. You know, I'd be I'd be working my match trying to get these niggas in here. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so, you know, uh, one I had I had a former student, a mentor of mine, Jared. He is probably the most memorable student that I have. As a matter of fact, I was talking about him earlier today. But anyway, Jared. He he made me realize that I had to stop trying to put him in a box, if that makes sense. Okay. You know, we go we go somewhere. Jared, I need you to wear a suit and tie. I don't wear I don't like suits. I'm not comfortable with that. Let me dress up, but I don't want to wear no suit, no tie. I'm not. I'm. That's not my style. That's not my thing. I'll put on something nice to wear, but that's not what I want to do. You know. And we used to argue about that because Jared used to travel with me. When I would go places to, to preach and things like Jerry was was my driver. I paid him to be my driver and, and we go places. And I loved having him around because 
uh, I didn't have the drive. But also, too, you know, he he gave me uh, he 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 always made sure we, we just kind of had that, you know, you know, the churches that I'm preaching at, you know, most of the people are, you know, close to retirement age. And so it was it was interesting. It was always good to have uh, a contemporary perspective and, and right. opinion of, of 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 the sermon, what what was what and all of that. And so. You know, Jared, you know, if you're going to be rolling with me, brother, you can't come with no sweatpants. Like, mm-mm, sweatpants and flip-flops, bro. What's we? No, you can't come with me like that. And so, like, I used to... And so, for out of respect for me, he upped his game in his dress. But out of respect for him, I had to stop trying to require him to be like me. Or, right. you know, I wore a suit and a tie out of the you know for respectability purposes you know preachers don't wear don't go nowhere without no suit and tie you know it's a right thing. hell you even in college i didn't even used to wear t-shirts i remember that i used to wear shirts with collars if it didn't have a collar i would not you would never see me out in public with that and and that was just you know because i always wanted to or, or at least to me it was me putting my best foot forward but it was also me conforming to this just conforming to these norms that that don't that do and don't mean anything you know i'm a yeah. college student on a college campus around college people my age put on right. a fucking t-shirt you know <laughs> <laughs> hell and, and honestly i used to like i i didn't even wear tennis shoes in college you remember i wore i wore church i wore dress shoes and mm-hmm. slacks didn't wear jeans slacks <laughs> like I was dressed every day. Now <laughs> y'all know why I thought Bill was a lot older than us. <laughs> uh, absolutely, but you know, like I had, I had gone. I, the church that I went to, you know, I used to, they used to, they used to give it to me all the time, you know, and and, and press upon me, you know. And so I, it was me conforming to that and 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 getting into that. But at the, but now the the, the nigga me, I'm okay with, <laughs> I'm I'm okay with having people show up. To be who they are, you know what I'm like. Yeah. Okay. We hey, we going to church. Okay, I got you, Mel. And Jared, Jared, no. Okay, I'm gonna put on some real shoes. I'm gonna put on some. I'm gonna put on some clothes, and I'm gonna try to put on the shirt with a collar. That's those are those. Are, that is him conforming to my whatever, you know. Right. Uh, but I'm not putting on no black suit and tie. Just we we preachers, we wear black, so you know that's what we wear. I people literally can predict what I'm gonna have on, but you know. <laughs> He it's 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 he it doesn't allow him to express himself and who he is. And so as I'm becoming more of who I'm becoming and 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 who I am today, I'm accepting people for who they are and where they are. Yeah. And and I think that I think that if I was 35 when you met me, you know, I think our experience together would have been a lot different, you know. Uh but, but I did need somebody like you around me. Especially because oh, yeah. I was, I was, I had lost myself for a little bit, and it was mm-hmm. because I just didn't. I don't know. Everybody was raised so much different from the it way is. I was raised. It is, and 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 you know what's what's interesting is, it's it was the same way with me. You know, I, listen, I, before I came to college, I was going to church. I if I wanted to, I could go to church seven days a week if I wanted to, right. and I was for the most part. Yeah. You know, like again, this sheltered church kid, and 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 I got to, I got to college, and 
you know, it, it really just opened my eyes to the diversity of blackness. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's a thousand shades of black. And, um, right. and uh, when you when when at Grambling, when I was there, so. That's why I do encourage people to go to HBCUs, especially mm-hmm. if you had a, if you grew up the way I grew up, mm-hmm. like just out in the suburbs with mostly white people. Uh, there, it's just something different about going to a school where most of the people look like you, and they understand the cultural references. Yeah, they understand what Martin is. They understand uh, what it's like going to church, and it, it's just it's different. And if, they, and if they are, aware, and, they, and they're not those people who are aware and they're, you know, mocking it and uh, uh, inappropriately appropriating, you know, culture and those types of things. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's legit a thing, you know, but also, too, at the same time, uh, I, I encourage people to do the HBCU thing because, again, um, I, I, since I got a new phrase, I want you to find the nigga you. Um, <laughs> you know, I want, I want you, I want you to, I want you to find nigga man, you know. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I encourage people to do it too. Uh, you know, you hear a lot of uh, romantic romanticizing of HBCUs and things like that. But let me, I tell people, it's a, it's a struggle now. Listen, it is. You, you, you. you huh. Listen, brother, you let well, I don't know if you were there when we had the whole water outage thing for, for days. Oh god. Yeah, I wasn't there. You you missed that. You missed the you missed the protest at the president's apartment. Uh, I mean at the president's mansion. What? We was going over there to break we was breaking the gate down. Like, no, you you got to fix this today. <laughs> How long was the water out? Oh God. Water was out probably, I think it was like four days, four or five days. We didn't have water on campus. Can you imagine that? Living in a residence hall. And I thank God that I, and I tell people too, when you go to HBCUs, you better find your church. I thank God I went to a church because them old ladies fed me and they let me come over to their house and bathe every day. I was the freshest nigga on campus for four days. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Say it was something like the blues, something I can't remember. Oh, uh, uh, um, it was so they had Rabs, which was a, a store that turned into a bar club at, at one time that was on I-10. And then I know what you're talking about, God. I was going through my list, and I probably was gonna say it if you hadn't said something. I'm trying to remember. Like, oh, I we went it? there. I think we went there for homecoming. It was oh. one of those ones to where they start like once it starts getting packed, they were like it's forty five dollars getting in. Like, nigga, I'm not paying forty five dollars to get in. I'm a, a juke I'm a, joint. I'm a nigga, me gonna hang out in the parking lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we did. Yeah, <laughs> but the um. You remember when they locked us down? Oh yeah, I was so in, I was in class. <laughs> so the night before that, we had went to whatever club that was, mm-hmm. and the New Orleans niggas had gotten into it with, I think Monroe niggas or Shreveport niggas. 
But that shit spilled over the next day, and that's what the shooting happened right in front of uh, Tubman. Mm-hmm. I was walking back from. It was somewhere. Where was I walking back from? I was walking past the yard, but I cut back on. It's like it was on the square. Mm-hmm. But I was I was walking back between the buildings, and I just heard gunshots. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What the fuck?" And this nigga from Chicago, we were talking about Chicago niggas. He he knew instantly what the fuck that was, and he was like, "Oh shit!" And then like he started like running, and she's like, "Nigga, get out! Get down!" And I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" I get back to Tubman. That car had uh, what was the girl who was the RA at Bowen? I see your face. Shit. Mm-hmm. But didn't her car get shot? I felt like I feel like I think it did. Happened. Yeah, I remember you niggas threw that stop sign in my windshield. I ain't forgot about that either. I was at church and you niggas. I came back from church and you niggas had put a stop sign in between my uh, in the windshield of my car. I ain't forgot. I, I had no parts or none of that. Uh huh. Uh huh. I wouldn't let that happen. But but honestly, <laughs> honestly, I. In all honesty, that was probably the the most scariest day of my life. That particular incident. Well, yeah. I, and I had never felt I had never felt that kind of fear before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and like just trying to like we 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 were tasked with the responsibility of finding y'all who lived in our building. Right. And and we had to lock everything down. And 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 all of a sudden, the campus had been, as I called them, the boys in blue state police show up. And I had never seen so like it was just like a war. I had never seen so many assault rifles. Yeah. Ever in my they life. They came in ready. And it was. And, and I mean, we and, and, and I had to go with them because they searched our building. Yeah. Um, and it was. I, I had never I was I was so I had never been so scared in my life. And I and and I have been on Bourbon Street when they have shot. And I and that didn't and like literally niggas are shooting two feet from me. And I was not as scared. And I was in class at the at the time that it happened. And I remember getting a text message from Mr. Jackson or one of the people in housing. And they was like, look, you gotta go. You got to lock it down. Nobody can come in that don't belong. Yep. Only the people who live in that building can be in there. But and it was and and people were so panicked, and we had like we had literally had to put people out of the building. You don't belong here. You got to go. Yep. You don't I remember. Here. You got to go. I and remember. it was just like and oh my god, it was so like I remember. I'm, I'm, oh my god, me and Arthur almost got into it. Uh, me and me and quite a few other people had almost it, on that day because. It was just so, and I was, and I, it, I had never been so scared in my life ever. It was, it's, I have not experienced that level of fear ever again and ever before. We were on CNN and everything, yeah. and then, and then, like I was, I can't remember what happened. Like, didn't we have to like stay in our rooms, or we had to stay? Yes, you had. We had to stay inside. The building while they search and everybody who live if you live there you had to go to your room. Yeah, and I remember telling people, listen, 
I need y'all to go. I like I remember. Listen, you gotta stay where you at. You have ain't no coming and ain't no going. Stay and I also I also remember that was like a Friday, I think. And then yeah, a lot of people like that. A lot of people went home when all the shit happened. And of course, my black ass had to stay there because I was hundreds of miles away from home. Right, I couldn't go home. Right, it so. was that weekend was it was they 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 shut everything down. They sent everybody home, and that weekend was it was miserable. And it was literally like three days. Like you, like they didn't even open the calf. The calf was to go. You remember that yes. they made us yeah take our food to go. I forgot about they that. Had shut the campus down. Yep. It was it was. I had I, that that period was the most that and and you know I and I tell people like I'm I I don't get nervous when I go in the hood and I don't get nervous when you know I'm in some of these places where people would normally get nervous at but man I just didn't know what to expect and that was that was literally the scariest time of my life not just my college career of my life never I remember I uh I was outside like I was just. Everybody had left or whatever, so I was mm-hmm. just outside listening on my iPod, and then I look up, and it's a news camera just filming me. Mm-hmm. Somebody said I was on CNN that day. You might have been. You, you, you nigga famous. <laughs> <laughs> so I was sitting in the front of uh, Tubman on the ground, sitting uh, Indian style, as we used to say it. Yeah. And then uh, I remember Cam... He said he was watching it with his mom and she asked him, was I gay because I was sitting like that? <laughs> it's like, what? You, listen, it's I'm like, telling bro. you, 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 don't, you don't understand if you, <laughs> you just don't understand. Like, uh, but yeah, that shit was what I also remember I got in trouble with you because I had the dorm right above the door of mm-hmm. Tubman. And on Sundays, I used to just put my speakers out of the window and just yes. play music. Yeah. And you used to get on to me all of the yeah. time. Yes. I'd come back. I said, nigga, this is not the ghetto. Take that shit down. <laughs> I'd come back from church, and there you is, making all that noise. <laughs> right. I'm just playing Tupac full blast. Mm-hmm. Those were good times. And, you know... Like I say, I don't know that I I don't know that I could ask or would ask for things to have been different. You know, I had an opportunity to go to Northwestern, UIC, and other places, and and to do a lot of other things. And honestly, like today, if I had gone anywhere else, I'd be a medical doctor by now. You know, because that's what I was pursuing. Right. But what I what I can say is that um, I I just I discovered I discovered a different. I just discovered a different me and it allowed me to become that. And that's kind of ultimately how I got to where I am. But I will say though, as we get ready to wrap this up, I want, <laughs> I want the people of, of the suburban podcast to know that if there's one thing that I left college knowing that was the 10 crack commandments. <laughs> and I have Dennis to thank for teaching me. The 10 crack commandment. I had never heard it before. <laughs> I had heard it, but by the time, by the time I got done with Dennis, that in that one year, I remember the 10 he, don't get high on your, on your own, own supply. supply. <laughs> hey, 
I made oh. Melvin sit down and write down the Ten Crack Commandments. He made me do it, y'all. And I, I, I'm telling you, I know of the Ten Crack Commandments today because <laughs> of Dennis. I wish, I wish we could. I wish that could be the closing song of our, I know. our, our outro. <laughs> <laughs> I was such a weird uh, kid, man. <laughs> listen, listen, and, and again, that was that that was the that was the great that's the great thing about black people, and, and that was the great thing about you is that again, you was just so obscure and so different, and it's like, how does this nigga know about the the art, the you know, the Confederacy and federalism and. And 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 the articles of feder of of, of 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 federation and all these things, he's this constitution buff and this history buff, and and he still got time to teach the people the ten crack commandments. It's important. <laughs> you got to be a well-rounded person. <laughs> I remember that night like it was yesterday. That shit was hilarious because mm, I was so adamant. If niggas think you're snitching, or what is it? What is it? If if um, what is it? If niggas if think, niggas you're, think snitching, you're snitching, then they ain't they trying, to trying to listen. That's what it is. Stay away from. Bro, you got to come back again, and then Kim's gonna be on, and then so that like. I just got to see how y'all interact because that's going to be the funniest part. I, I, I low-key want to interview like everybody that's listened for a while and just ask them random fucking questions. Absolutely. Like, like, what is the thing I've annoyed you the most about? <laughs> <laughs> What's the most ridiculous thing I've ever said? <laughs> mm. <laughs> he thought of like five things when I said that. Oh, I saw you Jesus. thinking. Oh, I'm, I'm going to write those down too. I'm going <laughs> to... You should, you should just send out a survey to your listeners, you know. Right. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, uh, I, 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 uh, this was amazing. I've enjoyed this. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for this. Like, bro, sure. you have you made my night. This shit was funny as hell. Cause I Absolutely. I'll be having to... I don't know. I don't, I don't ever talk about that part of my life. I don't yeah. know why. Like, I don't know. It's just because I didn't go back and then, like, I have, like, kind of unresolved feelings but it wasn't all bad though you 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 do this every week with people you grew up with so you know you all talk about the areas of time and life that y'all know and that you all that are familiar to you all so you know uh that's just you know y'all y'all live down uh that's y'all lane of just y'all memory lane and so we we have ours and and I can't believe that you know uh, I spent a whole year with you and you know uh, what is it almost fifteen years later uh, yeah. uh, almost fifteen years later this is the the our relationship has still been maintained so yeah you know it's, it's this is good I I I really I, I appreciate that uh, a lot and I was super I was super excited he was like you want to do the podcast what the Hell yeah! <laughs> put my put my schedule out, you know, and I'm, and I'm sitting here like, okay, I gotta research some stuff and pick some things out and see what we're gonna tell. He was like, yeah. So what about tomorrow? Tomorrow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, I'm 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 super excited to see how this is gonna turn out and and how it works. I'm super excited. About it. I like I'm gonna cut. It's gonna be about an hour ten probably. So I'm gonna cut like fifty minutes. Oh god! And you know what? Funny now that I'm thinking about it, I I'm I am mad because you all give us you know an hour and ten maybe 70, 90 minutes at the at the mat, and like. This thing can go for, for like we've been on this for two hours, you and me, and it's like, damn, this time flew by. I wanted to go to yeah. Bible study today, but yeah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I um like the longest session me and Kim ever had was six hours. Mm. Damn, like I mean, we, man. you could make a whole nother episode out of that. Yeah, it's a couple episodes. I have like a lot of stuff left off. Yeah. But yeah. Usually yeah. we record it's about about two, three hours usually. Like if she mm-hmm. comes in person, we'll we'll go longer. Yeah, y'all got time to sit and drink. I be hearing y'all opening your cans and pouring your <laughs> pouring your pouring your drinks and, and taking your sips. I hear y'all. I hear y'all. Mm-hmm. Next Cooper time everybody, huh? Cooper hadn't made any noise this one. Okay, yes, because you can definitely hear Cooper's paws. <laughs> He's sitting right next to me. He's been next to me the whole time. Wow. He gets excited around Kim. That's what it is. Yeah. That's like, what it is. Anytime Kim comes over, he's waiting by the door. He's like, I know somebody's coming over today. Absolutely. Now, you now you make sure you put on the list for the next time I come back, because I, I want Kim in this discussion. We're going to talk about the church. And we're going <laughs> to talk about the church. Because, you know, you know I've, been, I've been grieving with you niggas about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Those are the ones he be sending me the text. <laughs> yeah, be like, oh, I, okay. So this is how you feel, really? <laughs> I have my heart has softened uh, on the church as I've gotten older. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, I've, like I say, it, it, I, I don't mind having the tough conversations with people because uh, a lot of people have. There's a lot that you have to unlearn. Right, and you have to deconstruct a lot because you know some things won't it, it it won't make sense to you if you put it if you look at our world you know America a Christian nation Christian where <laughs> you know right uh, and and so you know so you you uh, I, I I came to grips with the fact a long time ago that a lot of what a lot of what we have come to believe as truth is not necessarily truth, but it's it is the it is it is what the dominating culture has impressed upon us. Right. And and, uh, it, and that is so very true, even with religion and Christianity and the scripture. And so, you know, like when I mean, you think about the Bible, like it was written and, and primarily was was developed and established in a patriarchal society there were no women established in it and the way that and the way that 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 uh uh fundamentalists think uh and, and their view about women you know is is supported by that but you right. know uh there's there's so much that has to be uh taught and unlearned and retaught and so you know i i love to engage people about it you know and and hopefully you know, folks don't hate God. Folks hate God a little less after the conversation <laughs> that they've had with me, you know. Um, but yeah. So y'all heard it first. 
Next episode, Melzo, we talk about religion. <laughs> That's it. All right. Prepare yourself because I'm coming. <laughs> I appreciate it, bro. I love you. And it Absolutely. was great seeing you, man. I love you too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank this was this was awesome. You my first podcast I've subscribed to. You're the first podcast that I've ever been on and participated in. I've been on the radio, but not on a podcast. So uh thank you. This was a treat. I appreciate this. Yeah. Uh, you want to uh, give a shout out to the socials? Do, are you on anything besides Facebook? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I will say uh, you can uh, you can follow me online. I am on Facebook, Melvin J. The letter Harrison. Uh, I'm there. I think I'm at R E V M J H. That's my. Um, what is your name? Handle, yes, yeah. yes. Um, I think that's it. But um, Rev MJH, that's always been me for a long time. Uh, <laughs> uh, and if you want, you can subscribe to uh, uh, my business page. Um, I own, well, and uh, I help run and uh, and 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 manage a bar in New Orleans. So. You all follow it, and when you come to New Orleans, y'all um, uh, 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 come and visit us. It's at the number three Palms P A L M S Nola N O L A at three Palms Nola. That's on now. They have everything: Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, Facebook. Um, don't ask me who runs it because I don't know, but. Uh, <laughs> I just get on and make sure everything's spelled right every now and again. But shout out to my business partner, Joseph, uh, who uh, had the vision and who has invited me along to be a part of that journey. Um, so, yeah, like I'm real complex out here. I, I'm a whole preacher with a bar, or, you know, managing and uh, operating a bar uh, out here, you know, working with party promoters and <laughs> other black entrepreneurs. <laughs> You're going to wind up being like the most complex guest. (laughs) I am. I'm like, listen, listen, listen. I am so complex. (laughs) So complex. We've had some interesting people, but hey, man. (laughs) Listen, I I mean, I'm telling you, it's it's nigga me. That's what it is. It's nigga me. (laughs) Nigga me accepts people for where they are. And you know, I'm all about supporting black entrepreneurship. So when I see an opportunity, I try to help make it happen. Um, you know, um, uh, you know, the I get you know, me. You you and I have even talked about uh uh some opportunities to do some work together and collaborate and make some things shake. Right. Um, so um, you know, right? Anything's possible. Hey, Huntsville just got uh voted uh number one place to live. I saw so, that. I saw so, that. Hey, they coming. Yeah, they coming. but I don't. I don't know if I can afford to come to Huntsville now, y'all. Yeah, it's getting a little pricey. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I was like, damn. Like, I thought Huntsville was like, you know, in the middle of nowhere. But <laughs> hey, it's getting crazy here. Now, I will say that there is, if you do decide to come down with some business stuff, there, there, there needs to be a strong black like place to hang out that ain't like, oh. We don't always want to be a uh, nigga me. <laughs> I understand. You don't always want to be a nigga me. 
<laughs> I got you. Sometimes yeah. you just, you know, want to throw on some, some dress clothes and be uh Negro me. Mm, there we go. Negro. <laughs> be African American. <laughs> African American me. <laughs> we go to Juneteenth uh, galas. Yeah, this is gala. Ga- no, no, no. Gala. It's a gala. gala. I'm going to gala. gala. <laughs> we hallelujah. <laughs> oh gosh, absolutely. But this Bro. is great. This is great. It's perfect. Uh, Thank you. Have a good night, man. You too, brother. Take care, and I'll see you soon. All right. All right. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. You can find all of our links and merchandise at www.thesuburbanpodcast.com. You can also get your listens in on any of these streaming services, such as Google Play, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Subscribe. Episodes come out every Friday. Boom, boom, boom.